The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Uh, Matt couldn't be here today. He got called into uh, gymnastics coach. So I've got a very special guest on, a gentleman who, uh, as you guys know, I coach uh, soccer and then I coach throwers for track and field, um, weight throw, discus, shot put, a gentleman who has over the years gone out of his way to really help me become the coach that I am today, giving me a lot of tips, a lot of drills. Welcome to the show, Coach Izeel Bullock. How we doing, Coach? Hey, thank you, Lawrence. Thank you for the invitation. I'm excited. It's my first uh, live uh, podcast. I'm telling you, I've been. it's been a while. We've gone back and forth over it a couple times. You were busy a couple times. I was busy. I'm so glad we finally got the date, the time to work. This is this is outstanding. Indeed. And honestly, we almost missed this one. I said, it's Tuesday. Let me make sure it's what time? It's in the evening. No, it's at 10 a.m. Oh, let me get ready. <laughs> I love it. And I honestly, I did kind of that too. I woke up. I'm like, ooh, I'm going on to 10 in the morning today. So it, it's awesome. Thank you so much for being on here. Um, before we get into it, uh, I mean, talk a little bit about yourself. I know uh, you've been coaching, um, played over, uh, played football, played track and field. Did you do anything besides um, throwing on track and field? Like, did you do any of the running events or jumping events, or was it just straight throwing? Well, um, my freshman year, of course, um, at Sweet Home, I was a part of the uh, undefeated <laughs> four by four by two hundred meter relay. Okay, freshman year. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Coach has got some speed. Yeah. Then a little okay. something, a little something, a little something there. Um, you know, just being fortunate enough to um, playing in Cincinnati, Ohio, and with the fact of you know playing straight football like most kids did back in the seventies and eighties, um, you know, I had to be able to run. Oh, for sure. Right. You know. I'm either covering a receiver or I'm a receiver. So there were, so there's my speed training there. There you go. Years. Okay, so you were receiving. So I see I was lo- I'm looking at you and I'm thinking linebacker. Like I'm thinking you got like that middle linebacker just like that Ray Lewis type. Yes, in high school and in college, but you know in grammar school you just, you know. I was going to say you just go out there and you just Hey, if you're playing 2 on 2, quarterback, receiver, you know, you're either pass rush, you're going to cover a receiver corner so that's how it happened beautiful um so talk a little bit how you did you do was it track and field first and then football was it football then track and field um obviously you know you it's kind of hard to do a little pickup uh pickup shot put as a kid but was it where what did you get into first in your athletic well i'm gonna say um in tennessee um kingsport tennessee where i grew up at generally um it was straight football. It was football first. Okay. Football first. Then um, at, at Sweet Home, um, 
you know, I, I moved to Buffalo in 80, summer of 87, um, meeting with my, my guidance counselor, with my mom. So um, you would have been, what, ninth, 10th grade? When yeah, you going into my ninth grade. Okay. Ninth grade. And then rolling at Sweet Home High School, a big ups to the Panthers. Um, you know, my mom, the last thing my mom said to the counselors was, he wants to play football. I looked at her like, oh, okay. So I signed up for football, freshman football. Oh, so mom, mom didn't even ask. Mom just looked, you but, playing football. I or, recall, or she knew. No, she, yeah, I don't recall having that conversation with my mother about playing equipment football. I tried to play a little bit when I was at um, in Cincinnati. I okay. lived there too, and uh, that was a short-lived, you know, time span there. And um, so, you know, what really happened? It was football first. To answer your question, and then um, the late Kevin um, um, Lozano, I want to say no, Kevin Wozniak. Um, he's now deceased. Now he was my, he was our in uh, he was our football coach at Sweet Home, okay. freshman modified football coach, freshman football coach, Sweet Home. Um, he knew about Coach Pat Wyatt and Coach Jim Jim James Jim Garnum, and he he seen the size of my hands. He seen my athleticism. He knew that I should probably do in track or at least throw. So it was a football coach. It's different nowadays. The football coach took me to the track coach. And said, look at this guy. And I threw once or twice. This is during indoor, right? I okay. Grabbed big, I grabbed this big yellow I thought was a grapefruit and just <laughs> did what Coach Wyatt said and left and went back to what I was I was doing. And that uh, that outdoor season, I went out for outdoor track. Well, actually, I went out for baseball. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, enjoyed, play, I enjoyed playing baseball, you know. Um, living in Cincinnati, we did all the sports because our springtime started, I'm going to say, like in February. We didn't have these long winters. We did have some snow, but it was it was short-lived. So, you know, myself, Lewis, Tyrone, Andre, all my friends from grammar school, remember those guys too, um, we would play football, street football, play a little baseball, play some basketball. And, you know, so we were doing those major, the three major sports, not really yeah. track and field because, you know, it wasn't a thing unless it was Olympic year. So going out for, going out for um, baseball and Pat Gardner, the uh, freshman baseball coach and Coach Wyatt called me to a meeting. And their words were, I quote, we decided you're going to do track and field. <laughs> so I'm like, so oh, you were voluntold. Yeah, you? exactly. So I just left. Put my and I wasn't a very good batter anyway. I was having a hard time, you know, fielding the ball stuff like that. Had you gone out for uh, for tryouts for baseball yet at that point? Yeah, or no. Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. I was at two of the practices. I have because I'm a lefty, you know, so I had a few bats and stuff like that. So I was doing, you know, the best. Being the only child, I was doing my single throwing up off the wall and catching stuff like that. So, you know, there wasn't, you know, YouTube and there wasn't the training manuals and the private coaching that we have today to prepare you for those tryouts to make those yeah. to enhance your chance of making those teams. Like in our day, our private tryouts or our private training or whatever was like you said, just throwing it against the wall, exactly. kicking it against the wall. Exactly. You know, doing and it with on your, your friends own. in the street. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that first day, take us back a little bit to that first year, uh track and field. So you would have joined the team ninth grade, um even going through the practices as a thrower and everything, did you like it right away? Did you? Did it kind of have to grow on you a little bit? Did you look at it like I, I know, especially when I get young throwers, the first thing 
they like, you know, they take it off their face, they drop that elbow, and it turns into a, and you've got right. to drop that real quick, or you're going to have shoulder issues. Well, look, I mean, did you like, did you like it right off the hop? Well, uh, I'm going to say yes and no. And the, the no part was, okay, the first thing we're doing is going to jog a mile. <laughs> oh, so right? they got you running right away. Oh, everybody's, that's the, you mm-hmm. know, that's the warm up. Today, kids are like, what? Well, yeah, that's the warm-up, right? Oh, can I tell you how pissed my kids – like, we have – for throwers, we have days that we do just strictly cardio. Like, mm-hmm. we'll do – we won't do a mile, but we'll do, like, a half mile. We'll do agility ladders. We'll do drills. And these are big boys. Right. And they right. – they'll – I mean, they do the stuff, but they're they're cursing me out at times. I'm sure under their sure. breath, sure. like, mother – Sure. But – you know, once they get in the ring, they they it helps them. And that is what we call um, the assessment, and they buy in once they understand the method of your madness, and they see the results of it, how it pays dividends. They're gonna buy in. Oh, for sure. So after the mile jog, you know, we do everything else, the drills and all that. It's a freshman. You know, and I was kind of privy to that because understanding I came in the sweet home in the summer of um, <clears throat> of eighty eighty seven when two hundred and eighteen pounds, you know, six foot two, and after the first week of double session, this was back when we had doubles in football. After the first week, I weighed two hundred pounds. Wow! So I lost eighteen pounds in one week. Wow! My sophomore year, I went to one eighty five. So all that all that conditioning paid off. Oh, for sure. Right? And now here I am, you know, in better shape because of the conditioning. Um, I, I wasn't raised to question authority. So whatever my coaches said, I did. You know, there was no lip. Again, I'm raised from down south. Yeah. So, you know. It's yes, you know, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yes. And, you know, I got my butt spanked back yeah. in the day. Right? You know, it's it's – it helped me to get where I am now. So um, I had limited t- success in throwing the shot in the discus. I remember, um, you know, distance runners, Coach Wyatt would have them come try to compete in the meet, and they would outperform me. And I was kind of disappointed. I'm like, I'm training every day doing this and lifting, and my best was just 30 feet. Like, what is that? Right. Yeah. But I hadn't gotten strong, you know, um, and I knew this. This is when your teammates that are older than you, you understand that. Check off the list. Same coach, same lifting program. They're a bit older than me. I'm going to get to that same point or surpass my teammate when I get there because I'm seeing it every day. And that's what happened. You know, I went from 30 feet was my PR in the championship meet at the freshman sophomore meet at Williamsville North High School. Remember Coach Wyatt had his old um, Carolina Blue Volkswagen Beetle. Oh. And I know my uh, um, Sweet Home alum, they, under, they know what car I'm talking about. Um, and, you know, I went from there to then my sophomore year, I was able to compete. I play football still. 
And I participated with the indoor track program that particular year also. Okay. And that helped me get better um, for the outdoor season, the lifting, the throwing. You know, and at that point in time, all we had was just a shot put. There was no um, weight throw in indoor at the point in time. For high I was going to say that came school. that came in. I want to say what, like late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, not no, not, not even that. No, I'm going to say um, late two thousands. Okay, late late two thousands. Um, so, and then at that point in time, also that's when they had the uh, Empire State Games too. Yeah, yeah, that was in Syracuse. So, um, I made the scholastic team for that, um, and that, and again. Good buddy of mine, you know, was still a year ahead of me, so I was always watching him and training and lifting with him. So as I got stronger in the weight room, that tra- that aided my performance in the throw. So from that 30-foot throw, went to 40 to 42 feet, right? So I got better, and, and therefore it built my confidence, you know, like I'm doing the right thing. And at the same time, my participation in playing football enhanced also because I went from a, you know, uh, a, a decent, decent-sized young man as a freshman, but not really understanding how to use my hands and play the game of football. But now I'm in better shape, right? I understand the game better, a little bit more tougher, right? So now everything just was starting to fit together. Yeah. And can you tell – I mean, you talked about it a little bit, how your your football coach actually told you to do track and field – I don't know why that stopped happening. Like it seems like, and I, I just I, I can see your facial expressions already because you know what I'm about to say. Yeah, it's you get you get football coaches that nope, you're not doing other sports. You're training in the winter. You're training in the spring. You're doing camps. You're doing this. I get it. That's great, but it's not. I mean, it's going to help you, but you want that. You want to be that well-rounded athlete. Right. You want to be, and track and field is going to get you that speed work. I don't care what position you play in football, whether you're a lineman, linebacker, it's going to help you with speed. It's going to help you with strength, especially for throwing when you got the big boys. I mean, that's all you're doing all year long is lifting during track and field. You're throwing, right. you're doing right. agilities. It just helps so much, and I don't understand why certain coaches on certain teams just, nope, I don't want you over there. Nope, you're with me. Nope, it's not good for you. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, I give a lot of credit to Coach Wozniak because Coach Wozniak wasn't only just a football coach. He was also uh, a lacrosse coach too. So from his perspective, looking at it, <clears throat> he could have been pushing me to do lacrosse. Yeah. Because he had his hands on me first, right? <clears throat> He's seen what I could do, right? He's seen the work ethic, the dedication, right? I was always in school, right? There was no skipping school and doing that kind of stuff. Um, but he's seen he respected Coach Wyatt and Coach Garnham. And that's the big factor right there. You see the fruits of their labor, and you said this young man, because it wasn't like he, you know, um, had four or five other guys with me and took me to the track coach. He just took me. Yeah. He took me to go meet Coach White and Coach Garnham. So so I believe, you know, <clears throat> God had a special hand in that with Coach Wozniak 
said, this young man, I got a future for him. And I didn't know the plan, right? So um, that's the first take. That's the first step right there, that you want what's best for these athletes. Oh, right? for sure. And not just for your program, right? Because the athlete could be a better basketball, could be better in track and field. And if you don't speak that into that young man's, that young woman's existence, they may not they're gonna they, they won't reach their full potential. Oh, for sure. Right? So 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 and that is my battle with um some 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 of our some of our football brethren that believe we gotta do what what they're doing in Texas and these other states and the understanding that <clears throat> those kids are doing track and field in Texas and Florida and California and not even that far. In Ohio, Pennsylvania, even in New York City. They're doing track and field too because they understand speed kills. Yeah. And when you look at the combine, you always see these athletes getting ready for the combine and who they're going to go hire a speed coach. Yep. Especially in the skilled positions like cornerback, wide receiver, running yes. back. I mean, yes. it's all speed. And as I look at your the wall of these NFL jerseys, about 70% of these NFL athletes participated in track and field in high school. So to assume that year-round football is the only way to get to a Division One or two or to the pros is not the truth. I agree, and I think that's for any sport because I think after a while, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there are certain people that just do – soccer was always my big sport, but I still did track and field. Believe it or not, I did tennis. I wasn't any good at tennis, okay. but I tried okay. it. Sure. But um, after a while, though, you get – I know guys that were soccer. They did soccer during fall. They did indoor soccer. They did outdoor soccer during the summer. They trained for soccer. After a while, a couple of years of just doing soccer, no matter how much you, you just get burnt out. Right. And I think that's with every sport, whether it's shot put. If you told if you told uh, your guy Xavier from Olmstead, who how, what did he finish in states again? He took third. Third in he states. He had second. And the uh, Division Two, and he just got snipped out by a guy from Young Man, good, good, good guy from Batavia. Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I'm sure if he just did track all year long, every twelve months out of the year, five days, it was just track, track, track. Right. I'm sure the young man, by the time he got out of high school or even senior, he'd probably be like, "Listen, this, this, this might be a little much." Right. There, there, there's so much research and proven. Um, data on overuse of muscles. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, um, you know, my football brethren and basketball brethren um, don't want to, don't want to adhere or listen to um, what the science, what the research has said about repetitive overuse of the same functions of muscles in the same pattern. Yep. Um, You know, and, Again, um, some of our top athletes that we idolize were multi and three sport athletes in high school. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and, and sorry, but you know, it's also it's like these kids. Now you're speaking about specialization, and the kids. You know, when I was a child growing up, like I mentioned before, I was in all three sports. Right, you know, during the football season, we're playing football. During basketball, we're playing basketball. And during baseball, we're playing baseball and some basketball because it's nice outside. It's summertime, you know. And we're doing all three. 
in the summertime, you know, and we didn't we didn't feel as though we had to do one all year round because we enjoyed it. You know, many times it was, hey, I don't have three folks outside that can come outside. They're in town. They may be at home. They may be at home on punishment. Let me go play basketball. Yeah, a little one-on-one, a little two-on-two. Exactly, something. right. You so, know, which when you get everybody there, hey, we playing seven-on-seven football. Let's go. We got and, everybody. And, and I think it's worked well for me, and even and, and I live it. I, it worked well for me not, not just becoming or being a one-sport athlete. You know, my kids are three and two and three-sport athletes, and it's worked well for them too. And then when you look at it and see, okay, how has it worked out for your single-sport program for your athletes, and it doesn't seem to work out well, you know, year after year after year after year for for your squads, you know, and they tend to lose to athletes who are two and three sport athletes or just speed kills. Yeah. Speed kills. You can lift all day long, but you know, that turtle will still not beat that hare, right? In a straight linear race any day of the week. Absolutely. Now you talked a little bit about your children. I know uh Brooklyn who just graduated this year, correct? Yes. Um and then you got uh your son uh Isiel the fourth. Right. Um I know you coached Brooklyn in track and field. Did you coach your son as well or no? Yeah. Actually, Isaiah followed um, in the lineage of throwers. Okay. Is I mean, he throwing? Okay. Yeah, he, he, well, he was a thrower in his youth years. Um, he threw for me um, for for my track club. Um, he threw the shot, some discus. And um, also, he fell in love with basketball. My daughter was strictly just a sprinter. Um, though I bought the throwing shoes for her, I think she's doing, she threw in one, one summer meet she threw. Okay. Um, I have actual video when she was younger, about four or five years old. Nizil, no, she's about six or seven. Nizil's about four or five. And they were both throwing a little light medicine ball. Okay. You know, trying to teach them the fundamentals. Oh, for sure. You know, mixing that kind of fun stuff with them. Um, Isaiah, my son was, was, was fortunate enough to compete in the youth championship, I want to say in like 2000 and maybe one or 2000, um, up at Brockport State College. Okay. He made the finals. He was 11, 12 at the time. I was very impressed with what he did. And, you know, in years followed, he said, Dad, I was like, go ahead and say it. I want to just focus <laughs> on basketball. So, okay. I, I swallowed and said, hey, I'm going to support you. What do you want to do? But fortunately, um, due to uh, my brother-in-laws, Jason and Eric, um, they were talking to my son about how to be well-rounded. You know, if you do high jump, you work on your dunking, work on your speed. So, you know, he played volleyball because my brother-in-law, Jason Prophet, who went to Kimmore East, okay. was like, hey, you know, playing volleyball helps your vertical. So he's he listened to that part. Then he had a better basketball season. Then he went out for track and field this year, and it was a quarter miler. So, okay. you know, I'm like, little man can run. Plus, you know, I go back to my, when my son was, he was uh, playing Delaware soccer. He did one year Delaware soccer. Okay. And I seen the speed there. So it's, 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 it's back. Yeah. And that's one thing I tell all my kids for soccer. But, like, listen, if you're not a softball player, if you're not a baseball player, if you're not a tennis player, like, if you've got nothing to do, 
that's great. Play travel soccer, but you better be coming out for the track and field team, mm-hmm. too. And over the years, it's been great, especially this year. I think with the exception of three or four of my girls who uh, all play softball, sure. the other 14, 15 girls from my soccer team are all on our track and field Fantastic. team. And it's they just buy into it. Good. And a lot of them, they'll you can even as you know, when you, we get into the fall season, you can see like, all right, faster, mm-hmm. all right, better shape, right. all right, quicker. Right. Like it's it's immediate results. Um, now, talk a little bit like how was it? How is it coaching your kids? Like I know uh, my stepdaughter Sarah, she she got in the track and field, but she was you know in Clarence. Um, I coached over at Kenmore. It's funny because like. There'll be times, like, I'll go to a track meet. You know, if we don't have one, I'll go watch her, see what she's doing. And I'll kind of hear, and there's been times I'll have to kind of, like, bite my tongue. But, like, okay, I don't want to I don't want to step on the coach's toes there or whatever. Because sure. she, she was always a runner. She was a miler, two-mile, did a two-mile relay. You know, distance was her thing. Um, I did, even in, in high school, I did cross-country a little bit. And when I ran track and field, I was more of a miler, two-miler. Um even though I coach throwing now, but uh, there are certain things that I agree with the coach, certain things I don't, but at the same time, I don't want to be that guy. Be like, no, 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 don't listen to your coach. It, that's that's just not me because then all you do is you make your kid confused. Right. Um, but actually coaching coaching your children, like how has it been? Has it have you, have you had to like – has it been difficult kind of uh, separating – being a dad from being their coach, do you kind of do you? I see that big smile on your face now. Is it is it is it a little difficult? Let me stop you there. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> fortunate for them, I have not on paper been their track and field coach for their schools. I've I've only been my kids' coach for the summertime, um, and that's not by choice. Um, um, that's just how, how things happen as far as the jobs, you know, applying mm-hmm. for jobs, yep. me not being in the building as an employee, um, there in Buffalo. Um, and they're doing other sports at the same time. Um, when I'm coaching indoor track at their building, they're playing basketball. So I think that's, again, um, there's been times where I think, um, We've definitely talked. Um, I've had to learn um, that I am dad when we get home um, from my, you know, my daughter and my son's um, disappointment. And we have some skirmishes about um, their coaches. Um, and, you know, they feeling like uh, my kids feeling like um, I'm not being fair in my assessment and, you know, then my wife has to um, kind of explain to me the predicament that my kids are in. They're in the middle, um, you know, to be professional at all times because I'm also a coach, right? And I coach other other people's kids also. And um, the reality is I don't want any interference from any parent because I'm trying to do the best I can for their kids. The difference is I'm open to suggestions and talk about um, <clears throat> the athlete. Um, 
I'm athlete. I'm athlete first centered. Um, I I really it, it, it it's it's been tough. Um, this this year, I had a larger hand at working with my kids because um, I was just kind of allowed to by the coaches um, because I do coach indoor. And a lot of the kids from the indoor program are with the outdoor program. And I feel it's not only my duty, but my responsibility to, to ensure that the buildup of their conditioning and their progress does not decline when it's transition when they're handed down to someone else. Um, you know, and I have my opinions about the training, the programming, um, what they're not, what they should be doing. And I and I'll share that with with the kids privately, but never doing a practice, you know, and try to embarrass the kids or the coaches. I'll ask the coaches, "Do you mind?" If, and they, and of course they say, "No problem, go right ahead." And I'm like, "Okay, you're being paid. Um, why are you here then? Yeah, right. Why are you in this position then? Mm-hmm. You know." So um, that's for another. That's for a different conversation. <laughs> but but um, you know. My kids, they know I know my stuff, and they say it like that. We know you, you know. But, again, my kids are um, <clears throat> my wife and our, you know, our kids are, you know, they've been taught very well by myself and my wife. And they're going to respect other adults. They're never going to disrespect their coaches or their teachers. That's how they've been raised because, you know, me and my wife are both educators, so they've learned that. Um, so we'll, we'll have conversations afterwards. And my daughter has, has received enough training uh, from other outside <clears throat> coaches to know that what she needs to do, right, um, what I'll do is, you know, even that w- what will happen is we'll step up in the sectional meet, myself and Coach Ed Streety from Frontier, and he's now at Narden. You know, we'll analyze Brooklyn. I'll videotape it at the meet, and I'll give her some feedback, and she'll listen, right? And her coaches are respectful enough, you know, not to get on her about why you listening to where your coaches. They're not like that. So um, it's helpful. It's helpful because cause it, it could have gone the other way. Oh, but they're sure. very – protective, right? And, you know, don't want to even deal with my kids because, you know, there's that word ego. I was just going to say, you that get gets coaches into the whole situation. A lot right? of ego in, right? in athletics. So, you know, um, I've had to, you know, had to deal with, um, I've had to, and I'm still learning how to handle uh, my position and that I am dad first and that my kids they want to come to me, they'll come to me because I can push them away. And I have pushed them away to a certain degree, not by um, like me saying get away, but by me talking ill, right, and of them <clears throat> and the instruction that they've been receiving, right? So it's, it's you know, in the end, I lose, right, mm-hmm. because they're going to respect the coaches, right, as they should. And my wife always checks me on that. So now <clears throat> I try to stand back up in the stands, and I just kind of just bite my teeth, right? But, you know, being my daughter's senior year, I'm going to have something to say because it's her senior year. 
and she was fortunate enough to break the BPS record in a long jump, you know, thanks to uh, Mrs. Shirley Augusta. Um, she was an engineer um, from Puerto Rico at City Honors when I was working there with a the tech teacher. Um, and she seen my desk with track and field paraphernalia on it. And um, we talked about track and field. She came out. She's a jump jump coach, triple jumper. And her and my daughter disconnected. Oh, and she taught awesome. my daughter every aspect of the long jump, the that's drills awesome. and all that. So Brooklyn being a high-performing student, you know, she just took that and loved the long jump. So that's a blessing right there, you know. So that was an integral part of my daughter sticking with track and field, right, and working with somebody that had a passion and that wasn't put that could push Brooklyn that wasn't me mm-hmm. to a different level, right? And she, you know, she surpassed all expectations, you know. Hopefully she competes in college. I was just going to get into that a little bit ago because you were uh – we were talking. Uh, you guys came over to our facility. I think like a week before sectionals, or whatever, mm-hmm. to get some to get some jumps in. And you mentioned, you know, congratulations on Brooklyn. And, um, she's going to Howard. Yes, right? yes. And I was a little shocked when you said she's not planning on she's not planning on competing there. Has that changed? It's been about a month. Has uh, that changed? Or if it has, I haven't been told of this. You know, I haven't I haven't, <laughs> I haven't thrown the extra party. For that, um, you know, um, not only has she been accepted to Howard, she's accepted to Howard's honors program. Okay, very nice. Congrats. And thank you. And she plans on studying, at the present time, human performance. Okay. So she's going to stay involved in the athletic portion, right? Um, she knows that David Oliver, the world record, was it? No, no, I'm sorry, the gold medalist in the 110 hurdles is the women's coach. There at Howard, um, director there. So <clears throat> has has she gotten a chance to talk to the coach at all? No, no. I think she's standing way far away from that aspect because, again, you know, my daughter Brooklyn has been involved in sports and dance since she was three years old. She began dancing when she was three. Mrs. Barber School of Dance, you know. So then, play, and then on top of that, playing basketball, thousand point basketball score in Buffalo this year, you know. So. She kind of wants to enjoy her senior year in the summer. So she doesn't want to do so just no sports, no more basketball, no more track. Like make just, money and relax and have fun with her friends. And you know what? That's you know that's nothing wrong with that either. You know, put your time in, and who knows? Maybe you know uh, if she's there watching a basketball game or watching a track and field meet next year. Who knows? She that's might. The goal. That's that's <laughs> what me and my wife and friends are hoping that she will get the bug that particular way. And that way it's authentic. Absolutely. Right? And it's not, not being me pushed. pushing and yep. holding the carrot, you know, over her head, you know. And it's got to be because, you know, even as a, if somebody pushes us to do something that we really don't want to, that our head's not in it, our heart's not in it, it's not. You're going to get no, hurt. Yeah. You're not only going to get hurt, but there's no way you're going to be doing your best. Yeah. yeah. There's no way. And that's just going to make me even more more upset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of, let's go back to a little bit of your playing days. So you play, you went uh Buff State for college. Right. You played football there. Did you run track and field there, too, or just, just football? No. Um, the program wasn't as developed then. Um, my mindset was this. Who's my throws coach? There wasn't one. Right? 
Deshaun goes from 12 to 16 pounds. That's a monster. Oh, absolutely. Right, that's a monster. And I said, you know, I I was asked, you know, um, good friend, Coach Harris, Ed Harris. Um, and I said, okay. So I did one meet. I trained a little bit, but I said to myself, I don't want to lose the athletes who I used to beat in high school. I want to lose to them because I don't have the proper instruction, mm-hmm. right? Nor the facility to reach the to reach the goals that I could that I think I could reach, right? With the standards that I was at at Sweet Home, so I just I just stepped back. Yeah, and there's I mean there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like you said, it's it, and even in high school, that's the one area that I noticed. A lot of schools, a lot of schools don't have a thrower's coach. Like yeah. um, even just talking to some other throwers at meets, talking to some other um, coaches, it's usually, all right, throwers, you guys just go do your thing. Go over there. Go over there, throw, come back in 30 minutes, tell us how you did, then go lift or go right. throw again yep. or go. Just go it, home. And especially, it always shocked me because just how technical discus is how technical shot put is even the weight throw in indoor to just tell a kid give him like a little quick crash course of all right put it off here elbow this, up, elbow down, up. push make sure i mean and to just kind of uh have a kid go do that david Linton is one in mind at niagara falls who and you know david solid yeah. kid great kid to work with um He's in the NFL with us, so I've had a little bit more chance to kind of talk to him and meets at different invites. I'll give him as much coaching as I can and as much, but it's he learned everything on his own. Like, and I would talk to him. I had a, a lot of good conversations with him over the years. I uh, graduated this year. It was well, Dave. How'd you learn to do that YouTube? Well, Dave, how'd you learn that? I just talk to a Lancaster thrower. Well, well David, how'd you me, learn this? Talk to Coach Bullock. Let me stop you there. He's a great kid. Th- that part right there is his fault. Uh-oh. The NFL championship meet Uh-oh. at Kenmore East High School. I'm there looking at one of my former guys. I won't say his name. The Niagara Falls coach approaches me at the present at, at the time and asked me, Coach, I need to work with my guy David. I didn't know who the kid was. Sure. I gave him my best I gave the coach my business card. I spoke with David briefly because he was in competition. Mm-hmm. Followed up with him later on that that summer, spoke to dad. They decided not to go that route to for me to train him. So there was opportunities there. So as you yeah. tell me this, I'm looking at him at the meets and I'm like True, true. But I think at the same time, too, though, if he had that coach on a daily basis of not only working with him, like, hey, Dave, we're at we're at this level right here. But you know what? If you go, you know, work with Coach Bullock, work a summer program, work this, we can get you from here to like up here a little bit. I think But from what I heard, I heard that his brother threw or something like that, that he has an older brother that was working with him. That's from that's what I heard. Okay, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but you know, I I've learned learned that I'm not forcing myself on anybody. No, absolutely, you know, my resume speaks for itself, right? Um, 
again, when the coach approached me, I was like, sure, no problem. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And there's been a lot of times, and, and that's just it. And what I like about you two is, and we've we've been at a lot of track and field meets over the years, um, where if you see one of my guys, um, Ryan Fink comes to mind, I know you worked a little with him, mm-hmm. some of my other guys throughout the years, or some of my girls, Lindsay, right. um, Grace, mm-hmm. where before you even talk to them, you'll come up to me first Hey, coach, do you notice she's not posting up? Do you notice she's doing this? Do you notice her steps are off? And you'll ask me first before, like just out of respect, right. knowing that you know I'm going to coach, go do your thing. But you still, every time, you just out of respect, just come and, you know, work with them, give them a little this, that. And it's awesome because you'll see some of those guys, you'll see some coaches will just go up to a kid and just start talking that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I get it. You're not you're out there to help the kid, but you know what? Especially if you see their coach there, ask their coach first. Just right. out of a simple courtesy, just out of a hey, I noticed your girls or I noticed your guys doing right. this. Do you mind if I right? Because and I'd say nine out of ten times the coach is going to say fine. Right, because you don't mm-hmm. understand what they're working on exactly in their progression. Because the coaches say, yeah, I know. I know she's not doing that, but we're working on this. Mm-hmm. You don't know what I mean? And, and, and you said that to me, Coach Isil. You don't know how we've stressed that every single practice. Mm-hmm. And she's still, and I'm like, oh, okay. I- yeah. And there's sometimes, and even when you've gone over and they'll do it, I'll kind of have that. But like, I've been telling you this three straight weeks, right. the exact word for word stuff. And because Coach, Coach Bullock over there tells you that now you're doing – and just and what do you always say? And I always sometimes just hearing it from a different person right. in a different tone of voice in a different way, mm-hmm. and it's it's awesome because you get that. And there's been so many times where I'll have a coach be like, like you don't understand, Monahan. I've told that kid like 37 times, dude. It's just it's hearing it. And from what do a I say back person. to you? I know. Yep. I, I got it too. Mm-hmm. I got it too. Yep. So it's it's, it's it's they're they're not more special because I work with them. Right, they get annoyed with me, and it's and because <clears throat> I pull from my coaching experience, uh, being coached by Coach White and Coach Garnum, um, because they were not they didn't sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like them some days because it's like, what am I doing right? Nothing. So I share with them the story, you know, that some days you may not like me because. I'm addressing what you're not doing right. But what what fixes that sometimes is I'm a big guy about videotaping my athletes in practice so that that's what helped me. The one time, well, let me continue. Um, When you videotape your athlete, they can see – what you're talking about, they understand. And they can see it for themselves. And then they can try to correct it. Then they can actually assess what they're doing right and wrong. Coach, yep. So then I stop giving them feedback. I'll ask them, come watch the video. What do you see? Mm-hmm. We'll do and, that in practice, yep. Yep. I didn't get here. I, I was like, mm, okay. So we got to work on, let's work on one thing. So now they don't know, but they're going through the coaching training process. Oh, for sure. Right? To become a coach themselves. 
And then once that happens, they can help their teammates. And at that point, that's when you can say, guys, go throw. And and then they know how to coach themselves for a period of time, right? Yeah. While you work with other athletes and get back to them, you know that it's a quality-type practice, not just they just go throwing, throwing grass and just playing around. And no one's getting better. Yeah, absolutely. And even especially with throwing, you know this. I mean, you get you have throwers at different levels. You have throwers where they're their third, fourth, fifth year. They're they're the varsity throwers. They're the advanced throwers where you can just give them one thing. Hey, today right. I want you working on your posting up. I want you working on the big chip. Whatever whatever one skill you know that they've got enough from their from their history, from right. their where they can go do that. Right. And then, like you said, that gives you a little bit more time where you've got a first-year thrower who's really struggling with everything, who right. doesn't – where you can kind of give them almost that individual one-on-one or one-on-two attention right. where you've got your three or four or five varsity, like, you know, experienced throwers over there. I, I actually do the reverse. I will have – um, when I have about 10 throwers one point in time when I was at Joe's, um, I would keep my veteran throwers with me. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I would give – because the novice throwers, they just need to get the volume in. Very true. Right? Very true. So I'll take my discus throwers and my young novice throwers go throw the shot. Right? Because it's not as technical what mm-hmm. I'm teaching them. They just do standing throws. Right? Give me 15 standing throws, elbow up, thumb down, chin up. That's it. Real simple, those three aspects, right? And I, But I'm looking down while I'm being very particular about my discus throwers, the varsity throwers, because those are my, my season guys who are going to prepare for invitational, sectional, state meet. So I got to make sure my eyes are on those guys because they'll start to get lax. Right? Yeah. And they're a technique. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, nope. Right? So, and they don't want to go through their progression when just throw. No. Um, And I learned from Coach Wyatt, um, and and I shared this with a few of the coaches. Coach Wyatt was real big on writing articles um, in the the track and field news, and I actually have some of his uh, articles. One article, main article, was, you know, train like though far where um and I implemented it with my shot and discus and it's, okay. and, and it's paid off a lot uh, what do I mean you know the 12 pound shot you train light you may throw a 10 pound shot or 4k shot you may you know and we do that at different parts of the season and 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 the key thing is I've given this to, to a lot of young kids that I've worked with the training program but, you know, um, the key factor is the coach ha- doesn't have my eyeballs, right? Yeah. You know, you can use YouTube. You can I can give you the program, but if your coach doesn't have my eyeballs or, or a veteran coach's eyeballs to see what you're doing incorrect, you're going to repeat the old patterns. Yep. So, so what I'm saying as far as that, you know, early season – we would throw, you know, the heavier implement. 12-pound shot, I'm going to throw indoor the 14, 16-pound shot throughout the whole process, right? 
the standing, the mirrors, the full rotation, or the glide. And as the as the season progresses to championship, we go from the heavier shot to the um, competition shot to a lighter shot. So now we're moving fast, and we're not focusing on quantity. It's more on quality of the throws now. And, and that's what I'm saying as far as my upperclassmen athletes, I don't want them to overthrow. I want yeah. to make sure that they're warming up with a heavier implement, not my not my my novice throwers, and two or three, let's go. Because that's how I work with Will, not Will, that's, that's how I work with um, Xavier and um, Ryan from Holland this year. Um, I didn't want to have them overthrow. They're ready to go, right? And let's just do the checkpoints. And um, Xavier was, you know, he may have wanted to throw more X. Every throw you've had right today has been over 50 feet. You're ready. Yeah. Shut it down. Let's go do some discus. And our practices don't need to be two hours. We're an hour. Yeah. Six, six shot. Check, check, check. Seven or eight discus. Check, check, check. And we're done. Yeah. You're ready to go. And I think a lot of kids, too, they they look, oh, well, why are the throwers only done in 45 minutes or an hour? How come we're still running? How come we're still running? It's a different animal. Mm-hmm. And it's the kids don't understand it, some of them. Some of them do. Some of them don't. But the coaches do. The yeah. coaches get it. You get your distance runners or distance coaches, your sprinter coaches, your jumper coaches. I feel like it's, it's almost in the same as a jumper coaches, too, because you don't want to have your kid doing high Absolutely. jump for two hours Absolutely. or long jump for two hours. So they – more of the speci- uh, they they definitely get it, right. but uh, yeah, there's been a lot of times. Um, Lindsay's one that comes to mind, Lindsay mm-hmm. O'Brien. You remember her? Mm-hmm. Um, she played basketball too. Played basketball too. Yeah. In fact, she just got she just finished up her throwing career over at St. John Fisher. Okay, uh, she did fantastic. She finished, I think, uh, the end of the year championship meet, uh, top five. I think she, third or fourth. Okay, um, but. Turned out to be a hell of a thrower over at Fisher. Good athlete. Um, she was one where I constantly, towards the end, had to chase her out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Like, Linz, you, get out. You're done. Like, right. Get out, Linz. Right. You've been throwing over 35. Get get out. Mm-hmm. But, Coach, one more. But, Coach, no. Right. Like, I remember right. there was one right. time I literally just, let's go. Mm-hmm. I mean, and as a coach, you both – you love it and you hate it at the same time because you love a kid that has that passion, that wants to keep trying, that wants to keep getting better. But at the same time, you're just like, listen, just yeah, you yeah. got to be smarter yeah. about it. J- Julian Smallwood from St. Joe's, my top guy. Remember Julian? Mm-hmm. He was one of my guys. Yeah, I get to practice. I'm like, why are you here? Give you a day off. Coach, no. Because um, they don't, you know, they're young. You know, they're young. They're teenagers. They don't understand, um, and I get it, you know. Um, and I kind of, you know, when, when you think about it, that's not how I was trained, you know. We just threw, through, 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 right? Um, or, or again, the conversation really wasn't had like that. Like, you know, we're doing, we're, ju- we're just, we're just checking things to yeah. see, you know, you hitting these right spots. It is peak time. Peak time means you're at the you're at the best. It's, it's you, you're at the highest productive point of your season, right? You're ready to produce your best. Let's not let's stay in that zone. 
you get out of that zone by overthrowing, right, or overrunning, right, or overjumping, that stay in that zone where you're fresh and you're hungry to compete, right, and you're in that area. So to monitor that, we're just doing checks. Just check these things off because um, one of the biggest problems that I learned early in my career is I'm telling my throwers at competition to think about seven different things. Mm-hmm. And oh, and just throw it real fire, and it, and it never seems to happen. And I had the and I I had to realize, and I struggled with this at the competition. Let them compete. Give them one thing. Just give them one thing. Review video. Hey, make sure you, and that's it. That was the toughest thing, and I think that it's a lot of coaches. That was the toughest thing that I had to learn early on, mm-hmm. but like. Even if you're videotaping or you're watching or even just watching um, early on my first couple, like first year or two, I'm going over like, all right, well, here, you got to do this, this, watch this, do this, do this. And like you said, oh, yeah, and your throws in about another five minutes. Yep. So, and it's Jeff Brunger who coaches with us at Kenmore East who I, kind of, I learned another coach who's really, I mean, he just celebrated his 50th year of coaching track and field. Wow. I mean, the man is just great guy. He's he's probably forgot more about track and field than I'll ever sure, know. Just a, a, a great guy. But I remember him during one of the meets, um, probably the beginning of my second year of coaching there. He kind of looks. He's like he just comes over to me. He's like, Coach, I need you to go run to the garage, get this, this, then go over here, get this, this, then go over here and get this, this. And I'm like, Okay, well, can you write that down? And he's looking at me. He's like, I just gave you five different things to do. I just heard you give your athlete five different things to do. How many of those five different things did, I, did you remember that I just told you? How many of them you're actually thinking that they're going to remember? Mm-hmm. Just focus on one competing. Yeah. thing and competing. Yeah. You yeah. know, if they do something, hey, you put your foot, your plant foot's not coming down in time. That's it. Right. And and once that, it's just it seems so simple but it probably would have taken me another two or three years to learn that if he hadn't come over. Right. And, again, it's something that's so simple. But Because you want the kids to do well. Yeah. You want them to do well, and you see that they're not, you know, doing something correctly, so you want to tell them about it, right? But, you know. You're overloading the, them. You're overloading their brain. With that event, with the throws, it lasts three seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're done. It's too quick. They yeah. can't recover. This isn't the one or two hundred meters or the mile. You you can you have time to recover, but not in these events. Yeah, and you're getting three throws if you're good enough. Hopefully, you make finals mm-hmm. and you get three more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's a it's a unique sport. It's a so it's such a it's a sport where strength you got to have strength. People don't realize you need to have good speed. You mm-hmm. need to have especially foot speed, but it's that and it's just so much more. Hey, it's so much you're more. Right. Flexibility, flexibility, balance, and coordination, right? And how about just being an athlete? The days of just give me the big overweight lineman, yeah. right? Those days are over. No. If you want to be successful, mm-hmm. right? You just bring those guys. Okay, so the football guys that do do track and field, just don't give me the un- – just, just don't hand me over – the kids that need to lose weight. Yeah. Give me your athletes. Absolutely. Right? And can I tell you about flexibility? 
the last I think this was the second season we've done this. We have a straight we started um a straight day. It was usually like Thursdays, Fridays, where we will do just yoga. Like we'll do yoga, mm. stretching cart and can I tell you the first like just getting the guys to do yoga. The girls bought into it pretty quickly. Sure. But the guys, they're looking at me like, Not I'm like, all. all right. Not at all. We got it. They're like, coach. I'm going to go lift. This is dumb. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go bend. You're like, nope. You're doing. But once they finally get that, oh, like that aha moment, like after like doing it for a month, month and a half, especially those that carry over from indoor to outdoor. Right. And they can feel that turn coming more. Right. They can feel that pop off their leg. It's just. They kind of look and they're like, they they're in. they're the first ones. But like, all right, yoga time. They're like, they're the first ones to. All right, here and they're actually some of them are actually coming up. Coach, can we watch this yoga video? Can we watch mm. this yoga video? And I'm kind of looking at them just like, if it's the guys, we know what they're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not trying to watch the new movements. But like just two months ago, you didn't even want to spell yoga, let right. y'all do yoga, and right. it's just it's funny. And like you said, once those kids buy into that once they right. see a little bit of success then they're like all right and, and and what you're building coach you're building a type of culture yeah right for sure you're building that culture and um that's what has to happen with programs um i reflect back when i was at city honors and um unfortunately i, I lost a few athletes because um they didn't want to go outside it was cold I said, well, I'm sorry. Then you you can go home. Then you know your services are no longer needed. Yeah, right. I'm trying to build that culture, and some of the kids are like, coach, he's good. Well, he was a good athlete, fine. But in trying to build this program where it's supposed to be, because it wasn't like he wasn't going to sectionals, he wasn't going to states. He was. I use sometimes in quotes. He was Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Now, have you? Can you think of those athletes where you've had that? And I know I've had a bunch of them throughout the years. I mean, every coach has. Regardless of the sport, you just look at him and be like, man, if that kid was just a little bit coachable, man, that kid has all the raw talent in the world but just <laughs> either doesn't have it between the ears, either has a bad attitude, either like just doesn't want to put in the work. Like, man, if you could just somehow, if anybody could somehow just – tap into that kid's passion, for lack of a word. Well, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, well, I'm, well I see that every year, you know. Yeah, um, and again, you don't have to use names or anything. No, oh, no, yeah. no, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Just yeah. me, you know, I'll always call yeah. out Ryan Fink, you know, just, cause, yeah. just yeah. to mess with I him. Know, no, right? no, no, no. I, um, yeah, I, unfortunately, you know, it happens, and you know, um, not every kid sees um, are going to seize the opportunity. Yeah. Now, is is that something um, early on in your career? Did it kind of bug you a little bit more? As in, now you're just like, you know, well, it is what it is. Because I know for me, early on, like my first couple years, early on, it would really, like, I'd go home and tell my what, like, it would irk me. Be like, man, I, like you. But now it's just like. It, you know, it's another one that falls into that category. Well, with track again with track and field, and never really working in the building that I was coaching at, right? 
I didn't see the kids every day to say, hey, come on out and do this. They signed up and they were there, right? So, yeah, I would see some kids. There's one kid. um, All I can do is, is tell them the truth. My truth is you could be a very good track and field athlete if you listen to me and do these things, right? And if they don't, that's on them. But what always does happen, they always come back and say, I wish I would have listened and done this. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just say, hey, you know, and we know it was another coach that said do this year round, right? And, you know, I'm like, I just want what's best for you, right? And then I and then I use myself as an example, and I always use all the other 7% of the NFL if it's a football kid, that they did track and field and other sports and baseball in their high school career, right? So I'm not lying to them. I'm not saying something that is foreign to them, right? And I say, hey, share this with your parents. Yeah. And it's just – and that's the beauty of track and field too. It is great for Every sport across yep. the board, because if you're a big, you can get stronger, you can get faster, you can work speed. I mean, it is agility, jumping. There is something for every athlete in every sport. But what you don't know, you're afraid of many aspects. And I'm talking to, referring to the coaches. The coaches are, you know, some of the football coaches, particularly. Also, yeah. Maybe some baseball coach, basketball coaches um, think that these kids, they need to do this basketball, football year round to get to what point to go to a community college, a D3. You did all that to go to and I played D3. You did all that to go to a community college in D3 mm-hmm. where you could have did this also. And you see the results. See, with track and field, there's no politics in the sense of the stopwatch and the measuring tape, right? There is politics in some of the team sports, like a basketball, like a football, like a baseball, like a volleyball. Why? Because it's all based on the coach's preference and the coach's assessment on whether or not he or she should be starting and playing time, right? For track, sure. With track and field, um, the stopwatch doesn't lie. Yep. The stopwatch is going to set the lineups. I tell my kids all the time, but like, listen, after the first meet, the first meet is the only time I will set the lineup. After that, you guys set the lineup. Mm-hmm. And it's every week the kids go, all right, top three are throwing 40, 38, 30, whatever it is. Hey, you want to be in the top three? Well, right now, the bottom of the top three is 38 in the shot, 105 in the discus. Right. Well, how come I'm not throwing varsity? Be, have you thrown 105 yet? Right. Well, I did it once in a practice. N- no. Right. Are you consistent? Have you done it in a meet? Have you thrown a 105 in, the, in discus and then all your throws are 80s, 85s, right. 90s? And that's the one thing that I tell like, well, coach, I threw 110. I'm, let's... Look at your 10 throws today. Look at your five throws today. 
I don't want to see a big blip and then back down. Right. I want to see can you consistently hit 110 or 115 or one whatever. And, and how refreshing is that to hear when you're a, you know, a four foot ten freshman? Yeah. Yeah. That wow. I'm not relegated to BJV. I can earn a varsity spot mm-hmm. based on how I perform. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. hundred <clears throat> percent. And it also is noticed for the, the senior, the junior, the sophomore that, Hey, last year's performance does not guarantee you that spot on the varsity, whatever it is on varsity It's based on performance. For sure. Right. So it's a level, you know, my guys, when I was at St. Joe's, they really appreciated that. My sprinters was like, really? yes. So I had a handful of freshman sprinters on my 4 by one relay team because they outworked everybody else and they understood how to pass the baton and they bought into every word I was saying and it paid off. Yeah. It paid off. They ended up breaking the Catholic school record. That was set by Turner Carroll that at one point in time, and I teased some of the Turner Carroll, one of the Turner Carroll co- uh, athletes. I said, "You guys can never break the record. Why? Because the school is no longer closed. The school is closed, <laughs> so yep. you, you can't get it back." Yeah, but it, yeah, um, you know, it 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 it, it takes the athletes to say, you know, and they have, and again, it's a unique sport. Where, you know, <clears throat> what you put in, you get directly, it feeds back. Mm-hmm. You can get the feedback from what you put into it. You put in 10 minutes worth of work at the meet, it can't hide behind nobody unless it's a relay, right? Everybody's there to see you come in first or dead last, right? And it's similar to wrestling. They see you on the map, smack, you get yep. pinned. And either you're going to, <coughs> pardon me, either you're going to, one of, two, one of two things, get off the mat, look in the mirror, decide to train harder, or which is, the, which is the tough way to go, but the correct way to go, or you're going to just quit and blame, blame, blame. And that's the wrong way to go. Yep. And as I say to my kids, it's the easy other way athletes, go. that's going to be your life. Yeah. That's going to be your life, right? So you know, I, I you know, I recall, and again, um, the job of well, coach has a still to this day has a lot of power and authority over young minds. Oh God, yeah. And then the way that kids can go, and the way that they think, also, because many times the parents are foreign to um what the what the event is and the planning and the training that goes into and what it takes to be successful. So if that coach is unaware of what it takes and what's necessary to be to make that child successful and give him or her role models and images to drive try to attain to be like and emulate like you know they're not gonna they're not gonna see or, or or reach that plateau, right? Or reach or reach that 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 point in their life until they experience a coach that says, "What you know? 
this is what you could be doing. Yeah. And explains those things to them. And they look back without any or some regret to say, man, I was never shown that. And that's how I coach from the perspective of I never want my athletes to say, my coach never taught me this. My coach, you know, he didn't want the best for me, and I was never exposed to this. Yeah, and uh, and I don't think people realize, too, you talked a little bit about the, the relationship of coach and athlete. I don't think people realize they just look at it as, as a coach is just somebody, all right, I'm just going to teach you strictly soccer. I'm going to teach you strictly football. I'm going to teach you strictly how to be the best center in basketball. Right. It's not to, – to be a true coach, you're not just coaching the kid on there. You're, you're coaching the entire person. You're a, a, I've always been told, too, a good coach is – for a male coach, you're, a, you're their mentor. You're their hero. You're their uh, – sometimes and oftentimes their father figure. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a guidance counselor to them. Right. You're somebody who is trying to get – the most you can out of that person, not just as an athlete, but as a human being. Right. You know, you're trying to send them on that correct path. Right. And if they get off that path, you're there to right. scooch them back onto that path. Well, because um, <clears throat> you care about the individual, not so much about what they bring to your program, successful or not, you know. You care about the individual, and you want to produce not only good athletes but good people in society Absolutely. also. That's what a good coach does, right? Absolutely. Prepares this young man or this young woman, right, to be – first is by your walk, right, that you are – that I am an imperfect individual, right? That's the first thing. You know, I don't always say the, the, the right things all the time, right? Um, and I ask for forgiveness, Right. Um, but I, but I do this because um, I want to help you. Yeah. Right. I spend my own money because I want to help you so that one day you can give back. Right. So I'm going to be that living example for you. And the best reward for me is when I hear or see my my former athletes, they're coaching. Right. And they're giving back. Yeah. Right? So that's why many times um, at some track meets, you know, that I need some volunteer help, I'll ask them to come on back and help, and they'll help. And they'll help, and they'll actually help coach young kids. I have one of my young – one of my first athletes that I coached on the youth side, um, Amir Shropshire. Um, He's now a – CTE teacher at Buffalo Public Schools. Okay. Um, and he was helping out with the um, track and field program in School 89. And he wants to get back into it. And he was my first young urban Thor that I had in the city of Buffalo. And I still have the picture of him and me when I was took a photograph. A Polaroid photograph. Ooh, we're going a back Polaroid. in the day. Yeah, man. When I had, when I had nice hair back then. <laughs> you know, a little fro, a little waves. And... um. Now he wants to get into coaching, right? And so, so to me, that that brings a lot of uh, uh, appreciation and a lot of happiness 
um, trying to find the word, um, a lot of pleasure in um, what I did was a just thing. Oh, for right? sure. And and he seen me as a role model. That's someone that he wanted to, you know, that that I'm, I guess, um, I'm doing some things right. Yeah. That he wants to walk in those same footsteps. Oh, absolutely. And you talked a little bit about, um, you know, how you teach you teach in Buffalo City, you coach in Buffalo City. Um, you deal with a lot of uh, the urban areas or whatever. Talked about this a little bit with um, uh, Rich Morano, who coaches soccer and track and field for Niagara Falls. Um, do you think sometimes the city schools, the uh, the urban schools, kind of get like, whether it's in track and field or basketball or, or or watching your kids play, do you think they kind of get like the bad rep? Because I know even, I mean, I played in Niagara Falls growing up there. I know we were in soccer, we were never getting the benefit of the doubt, especially when we were going up against like Luport or especially when we were going up against like when we played, you know, some of the more suburban schools. We were it, we were always just looked at like, I don't want to say second class, but in a lot of ways we were looked at as second class athletes. Right. I mean, do you? Do you see that a little bit, just either coaching at Buffalo or your, that, your, that your athletes have to do in Buffalo? I mean, track and field, it's a little different because you're not really the, – the, for the most part, the officials aren't really – at least shouldn't be getting involved. So mm-hmm. it's a little different. Mm-hmm. So I guess more even just like uh, watching your daughter play basketball or even when you had to play, deal with that as a football player. Mm-hmm. Um, or even as a football coach. Even as oh, a football yeah. coach. Yeah. Um Yes, I I would I would be lying, right to our listeners, um, if I was to say, oh, it's a level playing field. Um, there, there's it's not. First of all, to answer your question, no, it is it is not. Um, it's it's not leveled uh, on several several fronts. Um, Buffalo um, coaches. Um, as they are, are as they as they are building their programs, um, structurally, um, the training that they're receiving um, is on par with our suburban brothers and sisters, right? The facilities are up and coming, right? Um, I think it's just it's about the culture, right? It's for for one, um, we need more officials. Yes, we need more officials. Yes, right? we do. Um, if we don't, if we, if we, if we don't like the, some of the, uh, officiating, um, that you're alluding to, uh, then we need to get our, be, be, me, meaning Buffalo needs to get our crew of Buffalo officials to go through the classes and become officials, right? So that now we have a, as we, as we go on the field, we would feel a level playing field of levity. Right with the officials, that we feel as though we can go into a championship game with officials that are going to call the game fairly, but also teach our athletes that life would not always be fair to you, right? Yeah, it's called life, right? And how do you combat injustices, right? You learn how to deal with it, or you learn strategies at how to protest and turn those around, right? 
Um, so there's lessons in all that. Um, and being the adults and being in charge of um, departments and programs like that, it is our duty to protect our kids and give our kids the best opportunities if we're in the Falls or in Buffalo and having a fair chance at being successful. And um, that's what it is. Because, again, I don't want to have a part to play in a young athlete saying, I'm never going to do this sport ever again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't believe they're treating us with a fair shake. And that's what I don't think people realize that being an official is almost just as important as being a coach. Mm-hmm. Because you're out there, it's like you said, you get your athletes where if the other teams are blatantly getting the officials that are making calls against you or they're, it's, it's just outright blatant that it's it they are i don't want to say against you but mm-hmm. for lack of a better word they're against you they're well, showing favoritism well see it's it's just you look at a kid but like after so many times you you look at your kids but like they just you can't go into a game knowing that you're defeated because you see the ref out there and be like this ref hates us that's the same one right yeah. right but see that's when i have experienced that I always tell my athletes, we have to take the officials out of the game. Yep. What do I mean? Put the score so far ahead that no matter what they do, fouls, right, penalties, we're going to win regardless. Mm-hmm. So all we can do is play the game the way that I've instructed them to play the game, right, by the rules fairly. And if things – are going to go that particular way where it's unethical and not honest. We have all the officials' names. Yeah. And, and, and we have to follow through with writing those officials' names and going through, through the proper channels to get him or her removed from our championship games. Not just walk away and say, you know, and complain to the officials, but, but then be reactionary if that does happen. Absolutely. That, that, that's your duty. Yep. And one thing I tell my kids, because no matter what sport, I, I try to tell my kids or make sure the kids know that, like, listen, we're not making excuses. We're not making excuses. Um, and I always tell them, listen, let me deal with the officials. You go out there and you worry about how well you're playing. You worry about the other team. You worry about your teammates and getting them up. I'm getting paid here. Let me worry about a bad official or let me worry about stuff that you guys, if it's really bad out there, you let me know, I'll talk to them. Right. That's, that's my exact language. Likewise. Yeah. You know, I get paid, you know, and I, and I learned that from coach Wyatt at Sweet Home, you know, it was because he was, he was brash, but he was a winner also. And that rubbed the officials the wrong way sometimes because he knew how hard his athletes trained for him and for, you know, the school. So he wasn't going to let any unethical treatment, unfairness to his athletes go down without him getting in their face, letting them know about it. 
Oh, yeah. And I learned from that. And what does that do to an athlete? That makes you want to work even harder and run harder, train harder for your coach. You know, he has your what? He has your back. Yep. Absolutely. He has your your back. And that's so important. And that just goes, again, to what we talked about a little bit ago about having that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's I'm very much a a coach where I'm going to sit there. I'm going to tell you what to do. But I'm also not going to – I don't want to – because you get some of those coaches that feel like they got to be at every practice yelling, yelling, yelling. Every right. practice is – don't get me wrong. There are times, and you've seen me, where I, I, right. I've, I've ripped one of my sometimes. kids apart. Yeah. But um, I feel like you can't do it every time because if, when you start, they're just going to look. But, like, after a while, like, <sighs> coach is yelling again. They'll Damn it. All he out. does. They'll right. tune you right the hell right. out. But – and that's why I'm always affirmed. But, like, if they see you – have that like raw moment, like where you go after them. They look like, oh, like it just it just means more. Right. Whether you're doing it to an official, whether you're doing it to them or one of your teammates or your whole team in general, they just look, oh, he never like he rarely does that. We definitely, must uh, something something bad right. just happened. Right. 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 You know. Um, so you know, um, <clears throat> and kids need to see. It, the bigger thing is when you come back and you explain to your team, yeah, you know, why you did what you did, mm-hmm. right? You follow up with them so that you explain to them your purpose for the for, for doing that, the reasons why you're doing that, and you know, you know, again, we're not perfect. Yeah, we're not perfect. I'm. That's my passion coming out. That's my passion, guys. That's my match my passion at the meet. Match my passion at practice. Match that. If I'm I'm not here just walking in my penny loafers with no plans, right? With my fedora on, <laughs> just, just just chilling and just passive. Yeah, because that's the culture that you're building. Yeah, a passive team, a passive culture. The kids are not driven. Yeah, and right? like you said, you want your kids to match your passion because I shouldn't want this as a coach. I shouldn't want this more than you. Right. I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't want you to go out there and win sectionals more than you want it. Right. You better be at least at my level or above. Right. And and um, you can't get mad at them. If you haven't taught that, mm-hmm. if you haven't prepared Agreed. them for that, if you haven't, you know, shown them illustrations of that, right? That's why, you know, a, a new novice coach who has never coached in that field before has um, it's a challenge. They need to be open, and they're going to and they're going to go through their bumps in the road. Um, as I as I tell my athletes just last week. If I knew what I know now, twenty years ago, man, I would have been so much. I would have been a. I would have been a much better coach, mm-hmm. right? A much better coach, technically speaking, right? Um, as the training and lifting and all those aspects, understanding the kids, and I'm and I'm a I'm a big proponent on academics. What do I mean? You know, and I and I tease my guys sometimes. I say, 
you know, um, school is number one while I'm holding up my second finger, like meaning it's number two. And I'll say sports are number two when I'm holding up my index finger like, no, it's number one. I really mean that school is number one. Um, you have a test, and my athletes know this. You have a test, exam, you have to prepare for, buy, go home, and take care of that. Yep. Because if your goal is to get an athletic scholarship, it's without saying your academics play a huge part in that. Yep. So if you don't have the academics, um, it's, we're just wishing on the star. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And these kids don't realize you've got to, you've got to get be able to get into college first. Right. Like you've got to have the brains to get accepted. Right. First, before you're even talking scholarship. Right. right. And you know, I'm. I set those standards for my guys and and my athletes. They tend to. Then therefore produce, and and they have used that coach. I got it. All right, bye. Yeah, no. don't get mad at them. And, but then I always ask all of them during practice in the test of quiz you guys took. Yeah, I got an eighty on this. Uh, that chemistry. How was it? We talk about it. Yeah, right. And that's a part of building that culture. That yes, I'm coach on paper, but I. And yes, you're athlete on paper, but this is a partnership, and I care about you, not just the athlete, you as an individual. Yep. So, 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 for some reason, if you have to um, remove yourself from the team, that doesn't mean when you see me in the hallways, you avoid me. I'm still going to talk to you. Hey, how you doing? How are things going? Right? Because yeah. you know. You signed on that form. You got the physical. You committed yourself to me, right? So I'm going to give my best for you. And that means, you know, that also means that, you know, I'm taking all of you, the athletic and the academic part of you, I want to help grow and nurture. Because mm-hmm. I am a teacher first. Absolutely. I was going to say, you're, you're not only just a coach, you're an educator. Right. You're a teacher. You know, and it's and again, it's just another thing that as a coach, you've got to be if you want to be successful. You you can't just be the coach. You got to be that and so much more. Right, and you know, um, not all are doing that. Some talk just to talk, mm-hmm. right? And then in the end, you see where their kids are going. Absolutely, you know, you know it's like okay, and and and. What I what I learned early on when I was I think I, I when I was when I, when I became a coach at Sweet Home, um, the track coach Sweet Home, I said okay, I'm not as concerned about the league record how we finished. I'm more concerned. This is back on the the the, the athletic performance side. I'm more concerned about how many athletes we we can get qualified for sectionals. And go on to the state meet. And Amen. You know, um, so our training will look different. That means sometimes we're gonna work my kids know, they know November and December are what we call hell month. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna beat you up physically in the weight room and conditioning 
And if we have a meet in December or even January, I really care about those times because I'm training you, right? If if you happen to have a peak performance during that month, kudos, good job. Kudos, good job, you know? So, be, and, and again, not every coach lives by the philosophy. Oh, we got to meet. Friday is freeze tag day, so we're going to relax, not do anything, go to the meet. Coach, word for word, I tell my kids, and I uh, during indoor, I coach, uh, Coach Mativier's the head coach. Myself, uh, I'm the assistant coach. Outdoor, he's the head coach for the guys. I'm the head coach for the girls. Okay. Even though we train everybody together, right. like I'll coach guys and girls, throw whatever, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell my girls straight up, listen, I don't care about our league record. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's good to get meets in. We'll be competitive. I'm not saying that you're not going to go out there and you're not going to try your best because you are or you're not going to be a part of this team. But if we go out there and if we lose every dual meet, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it right. because I want you ready. Excuse me. I want you ready end of May. I want you peaking for our league championship meet. Right. I want you peaking for sectionals. I want you peaking for the class championship meets. I want you at your absolute best. If that means we've got to train through a meet here or there, the first duels at the beginning of the year, uh-huh. we're going to lift through them. Right. We're going to sprint through them. We're going to jump through them. We're going to get you ready where we're focusing on those end-of-the-year meets. Right. And we use those <clears throat> meets as trainings. Yeah. And I tell them, this is, listen, this meet is a glorified practice. Yep. You know, it, today's our speed day. Yeah, you're gonna be running the mile, the two mile, and a four by eight. Mm-hmm. That's your volume day. Yeah, let's go get it. Absolutely, and it's just, it's, it's completely, it, it's, it's insane to think that a coach would tell their kid, "I don't care about our wins loss record," but at the same time, it's an individual sport where right. I want you to <clears throat> qualify for as many events sectionals. As possible, right? And on the other hand, I think our ads wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> they want they want to win, but also I think um, this is what the buy-in is when it pays off. When you have repeatedly, you're sending five to six to seven to eight athletes to sectionals, mm-hmm. right? You have. You know, less than a handful going to the state meet. And it's not just that one good kid you had that came to your team that moved here from Florida that's already fast. That kid's long gone. Yeah. You've got, you develop, right? And that's why I like track and field because track and field is a developing sport. Oh, for sure. You take the kid seventh, eighth grade and develop them the right way. And by the time they're a junior, senior, they're phenomenal. They should be phenomenal, right, if, if you've done it the right way and it's with the particular sport that you're doing, you know. And it's, it's – I tell my kids that process that I'm, that I'm referring to is a barbecue. You slow cook, right, whatever produce or meat you're putting on the grill, you slow cook that, Right. 
rather than on the count on the other side, microwave. Just, just you know, real quick, real fast. No. So I'm going to take the four or five years to properly train you, right, to get your lifting up right, to show you the throws the right way, to learn the mirror, to learn the South African, to then do the full. There's, there's so many athletes that, that I'll show, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have more time in indoor track just to talk to a few kids and uh, to show them some drills. And I'll ask them, you do this drill? And they'll say, what's that? I'm like, are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Like, how are you doing this technique and not ever have done this drill? You're, you're not going to – just by luck, you're pretty decent at this technique. If you if, if you get this technique right, do this drill, it's going to enhance your technique. Yeah. It's, it's, it's those small things. And um, it, it's – there's there's no there's no excuses uh, any longer for um, inept coaching as far as on a knowledge base because we have so much technology out there. Oh God! Remember the early days where I remember the early days where I one of my first jobs was coaching swimming and diving, and this was I think twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, coach, I've never been on a damn diving board yep. other than at the like park where you just run and jump. Yep. Ball. I, I ran to the library the day after I got that position and picked up about four or five books yep. on swimming and diving, like read through them two or three times each over the course of a weekend, week mm-hmm. or whatever. And I mean, when you're coaching <laughs> something, you don't, you never, that's how you learned. Yep. Nowadays, all you got to do, Google it, YouTube it, whatever. It has like instructional videos. Okay. Yep. I mean, it's it's like you said. It's so much easier to learn. It's so the the there's there's no it's, everything is there. There's the information no, there's, is there to get it. There's no more excuses. There's none. So there's oh and and, and <clears throat> um, it's a gentleman. Um, I I forgot his name. Um, he talks about when people comment about kids, kids being lazy. There's no lazy kids. There's lazy parents. When you and, and then I add in, then there's lazy coaches. When you don't try to learn a sport, and that goes back to, you know, we've got the kid out now. We've we've encouraged the kid to come out. Now we got to keep him and do this sport, right? He's a he's a football kid, right? And he's on do track now. You got him out there, and you get him hurt. He's doing stuff that he hasn't properly been trained to do. That's why the football coaches don't want the kids out there doing track. Because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so, 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 we have to deal with that, too. So, But then back to the point, you know, um, you've, you've, you've shown the kid. Sit the kids down in your classroom. We all have um, a, a PowerPoint. I mean, um, L, uh, the L, L, the projectors. Yep. LCD uh, projectors. Smart boards, yep, whatever they are. Smart boards now. Bring the team in, handful of those events, athletes in, a team, whatever sport it is, and show them video, YouTube video. There's no excuses now. You break down, pause it, show them, I'm trying to work, do, work on practice, and break down either their own video 
or similar type video that you see that you hope to to a point that you try to uh, a point you try to reach in your program, right? Or a training video that we plan on trying to learn and teach and implement that particular practice. There's no excuses now, no excuses. It's all on the coaches to learn these different. That's what we're being paid for, yeah. right? Right. We're being paid a good salary to teach our, these kids the skill set that he or she needs to be productive and to be good. And when I talk to athletes at a meet, and I'll, and I'll ask a few of them, how often do you lift, especially the throwers? How often do you lift? How often do you throw? And it's direct correlation to their performance. Yeah. If they're not that good because they don't throw as much and they're not lifting getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And I just share with them my program. And I say, hey, I'll give you my program, but unfortunately, your coach doesn't have the eye that I have, or nor does your coach follow through with the programs that I'm giving my athletes. And that's the one benefit that, that, that I was given um, just being uh, the throws coach. I'm with my throwers all the time. That was the one side that Coach Wyatt, Coach Garner, my sweet home, they were the everything coach. So from 3 to 5 o'clock, I'm lifting weights. Me and my buddy throw, we were lifting weights, right? And from 5 to 6 o'clock, every single day, we're throwing. Either shot or disc or maybe some of both. Every single day. So so that's why we were good. So when I talk to other programs and these kids today, I'm asking them, how often do you guys throw, you know, indoor, like you said, if once a week? You're not going to be good. We're no. going to be good. We're going to be good not because – I'm just coaching them, right? But we can get more time into a gym. And a gym isn't always our school building. Yeah. I found, I've had to find community centers to go to, right? And pay. And I had to convince our athletic directors to pay the fees for us to go to this gym. And the fees were North Park Community Center. I'm putting them, I'm, pu- I'm putting them, you know, on blast of thanking them for my years at St. Joe's for utilizing their their gymnasium to throw shot all every day, every day, all day, every day. We were there with no interruptions. One basketball court, we threw shot the lengthwise and widthwise, no problems. We could store our shots, our weights a few times. No, we didn't throw weight in there. We stored our shot puts in the little storage room. They took care of our stuff. Our medicine balls were there. And that's that was our training ground. If we didn't have that facility, we wasn't going to get the gym at Joe's. No. Because they had basketball from 3 to 9 o'clock. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I it was on me <clears throat> to find some place to throw. Right, I could, and I was being paid. I was being paid regardless if I found a place to throw or not, right? But I wanted my kids that signed up for this to be successful, yeah, right? You, and you want to give them every advantage to be successful. Right. And this is before they were driving and had their license. I'm going to school, <clears throat> picking them up, driving them to the center. We're training. We're throwing. 
I drive back to school, down we're going to weight lift, and then I drive them home, right? And this was five days a week. Yeah. So when people, you know, wonder why, you know, they're pretty good, they put the work into it. Oh, for sure. And see, what happened was, particularly my, my guy Tyler, who's at UB, maybe his last year at UB, he's playing football there. Uh, he would say, Coach, these guys who just came out, they're not they're not working. They're not working, meaning they're not fitting into our system. So, well, hey, you guys deal with them. They're yeah. either they're either gonna get with the program or sorry. Yeah. When you build that kind of culture, you got a winning culture. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Right? And these kids know what hard work is. Yes. And, and yes. not only that, but they have pride in it and they don't want somebody else coming in. And messing it up. Mucking up what they've worked hard to do. Yep. Right. Because, again, you know, um, this is a team, but it's individual base also. Absolutely. Right? So you're not going to stunt. You don't, you're not going to stunt their progress, especially when they know that there's some dogs out there that are better than them, that they're training they were in the same kind of program. They're training. So I got, you know, locally, we're, yeah, we're good locally. We're better than some of those teams locally. But but those are small fish. Yeah. We're a big dog. You want to compete against other big dogs and, and, and be superior big dogs. Because that's competition breeds right. competition. Right. It's only going to make you right. better. Um, I want to make sure before we get into our hot seat questions – I want to make sure that uh, I plug your your throwers camps. Talk a little bit about uh, your throwers camps. Obviously, give us the dates, um, how long you've been doing it. I mean, this is you've been doing these, I think, ever since I've known you. So it's it's been a, it's been a while now. Well, well, right now I, I've I've kind of pulled back on like the throwers camps. I do I do do private training. Okay, um, it's urban throwers. Ur- Urban Thor's like a track and field club, Urban Thor's track and field academy, basically. Um, you know, I, we train at some of the local facilities, Parker, Crosby, Buffalo sometimes, you know, uh, for that one-on-one shot, this hammer, jab, all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I recently joined with um, Just Blaze, Just Blaze track and field club. Okay. Head coach, uh, Jay Pratt. He's the uh, health science track and field coach. Uh, me and him first met. We were both coaching at St. Joe's. Um, he he moved on. Both our kids are in the same same uh, grade. Our sons, both juniors, and um, you know we work well together. He does the track. I'll do the the field stuff, the throw stuff. So um, you know, and we're training right now out of Sweet Home High School. My alma mater. Beautiful. Big up to Sweet Home. You know, three days we're getting the training in there. Um, um, you know, so with that, you know. It's 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 good to have athletes who want to get that extra work in for the summertime, who want to be better than average. Um, you know that that's the one part, the one challenge. Because um, I've given my cards out to a lot of kids, and they haven't taken me up on an offer. You know, I'm thinking about these these young kids in Buffalo right now that I see some good talent. They're freshmen, 25 feet shot putters as a freshman, young ladies. Yeah. I'm like, that's good. But I said, you're going to stay in that same range if you don't work at it and get better. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to help you to get better, right? 
And again, that's that slow cook process. Yep. If you increase two feet in five years, you've done nothing. If you increase 20 feet in four years, that's good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Now you go from 25 to 42 in four years. Now you're going to be state champ. For any of those athletes who want to get uh, involved in this program, where do they go to sign up to find out? Like, how do how do they get involved in the the Just Blaze track and field program? Well, you're gonna uh, email myself, um, Coach Bullock, or contact Jay Pratt. Um, the Jay Pratt, well, Just Blaze, I believe, is found on Instagram. Okay, um, he may have a Facebook post. I'm not sure. Um, I'm I'm sure if you contact this podcast, absolutely, um, we'll, we'll put leave, all. In fact, we'll put all the information. We'll leave some some phone contacts there, and um, again, we want athletes who want to be the top athletes in the area, right? Um, from Rochester on to Buffalo to Jamestown, um, we're here for these athletes, and um, my particular. What I bring to the table is I also do um, video analysis also, right? You send me your video. I'll assess up to about four videos. For oh, a that's sm- huge. For a small fee. That's I'll huge. give you feedback. Yeah, because everybody has a phone. That is huge. Right? So if you can't travel in, I can give you feedback, right, from my perspective on to what you're doing. And now you're not just doing this to be throwing, right? And – you're not trying to look like, you know, the Olympian when you don't have the strength and the power and the technique the Olympian has. Let's show some progression so we can get to those particular points. So, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I offer that also. But right now I'm with Just Blaze. I do some private sprinting and some private throwing training also. Beautiful. Definitely give me that contact information. We'll put it up on our Instagram, on our Facebook as well. No problem. Um and I know throughout the years, um, I've sent a couple of my athletes uh, to some of your throwers camps yep. and stuff, yep. and it's been, uh, I know they've had, not only have they had market improvement when they've came back for the following season, whether it's been indoor or outdoor, um, but they've always just raved at just how knowledgeable you've been. And um, like I, I, I can't remember uh, the athlete come back, but like, he like, Coach Bullock knows his stuff. <laughs> like that's all he just. I try. So it's it's definitely knowledgeable. Like I said, we'll get those contact informations up for Just Blaze, um, and hopefully we'll we'll fill some some athletes up for you. Come on, come on, absolutely. All right, Coach, we're gonna get into our five hot seat questions. Okay. Now all right. these are questions. I'll give a couple. You can ask a couple. We go five questions. Can be literally about anything. Could be about sports, about food, about just whatever you want. In fact, I'm going to hit off with the first question. I've asked this a few times to some of our guests, but I want you to think of one meal that just brings you back home, like brings you back to your childhood. Like this is like just brings you back to to mom's cooking, to grandma's cooking, to aunt's cooking. Just one meal that like instantly could be lunch, breakfast, a snack, whatever, that just instantly, man, this is just – this is just my childhood. This is just me. Like one one meal. There, there's got to be something. One st- for me, for me, it's uh, as a kid, my grandmother would always fry up like fried peppers, put a little fried peppers, fried onions, and um, little like homemade sausage, mm-hmm. and just make me that sandwich. <clears throat> and and it's funny because 
like my mom would try to make it. And even as a kid, I'd be like, it, it's just, it, this ain't normal. This ain't good. This ain't like it, it, that, that, the fried pepper and sausage sandwich that just mm, on some nice homemade Italian bread. Oh, even just now is just making my wa- my mouth water. That for me just instantly brings me back to childhood. I, I gotta say, um, <clears throat> my mom, cause you know, again, I'm from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So my mom and dad are both Southernites, you know, North Carolina, North Carolinians, um, homemade cheese biscuits. Oh, okay. Homemade, homemade, and um, there is a, a restaurant um, in a small town called Pine Tops where my grandmother and my, most of my aunts live on my dad's side. Um, it's called Abrams, and they make cheese biscuits the size of your fist. Oh. And I don't mean like a little slither of Valveda. I mean like a whole cup, um, oh. half a cup of cheese, melted cheddar cheese. Um, that, and I'm going to say, um, man, I'm, I'm thinking – I had it last night. Spaghetti, okay. You know, um, meat, ground beef spaghetti, right with, with the, the real oil, meat with the oil mm-hmm. on top. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're talking up she my language. She, she didn't drain the ground beef. You know what I'm saying? Get all um, the flavor in yeah, there, yeah, man. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Good, good. All right, coach. Remember, you got to think of some questions too. Okay, so right, okay. you got a question for me, or I got to I'll, I'll fire another one yeah, while you're thinking. Um, who is your your top Buffalo Bills quarterback? Oh, good question. Um, listen, people aren't going to like this. Well, give I'm me not, your top your top three. I'm not going to say the top yet, but as a kid, can I tell you, I hated Jim Kelly. Okay. I I everybody was like Jim Kelly. Jim. I I just looked, and even even now as an adult, I look back like looking at the draft or whatever. I'm like, man, if we would have picked Dan Marino instead of Jim Kelly, I bet wow. you we would have had like at least two or if not one, all four of those Super Bowls. I know I'm gonna be getting some hate mail for that. <laughs> I know I'm gonna be, but um, hmm. I don't know that 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 makes that makes some sense. I with the defense that you guys because that's all that Miami lacked was like. A yeah, defense. I'm telling you, you put Dan Marino on those Bills teams of the 90s, coach, tell me that they didn't win at least two, at, maybe all of them. But again. But again, you can't. But, you, you, but again, it wasn't like, <clears throat> it wasn't like in those four Super Bowls. And, you know, and again, and I'm not the biggest Bill supporter. It wasn't like it was Jim Kelly was the reason why they lost those Super Bowls. No, 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 no. They ran against some juggernauts. Yeah. On defense and on offense. Mm-hmm. Right? No, absolutely. Um I just thought Marino was just the better overall mm-hmm. quarterback. Kelly might have had the better arm. I mean, Kelly had a cannon arm. Can nobody yeah, deny that? Yeah. But I just thought as the better overall like Real deal quarterback, Dan Marino. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as favorite Bills quarterbacks, <laughs> that's kind of hard because we haven't had too many. I got to say Josh Allen because, I mean, other than him, I mean, if you go way back, you're talking like Jack Kemp. Um, How about Joe Ferguson? Joe Ferguson. Um, in fact, I'll go with those three. I'll go with Kemp, Ferguson, and Allen. All no, right, so I, I, Not Lossman? Not Flutie? Uh, you know what? Flutie. 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 <laughs> Flutie, I give respect to. Okay. 
All right. I know I know you're not a Bills fan. I know you're a Raiders fan. So same question to you. Top three. This will still be part of number two. Top three Raiders quarterbacks oh, of well, all time. Man, well, I got to put my man who won the Super Bowl, of course, Jim Plunkett. Okay. You know, the first Native American uh, Super Bowl champion um, behind Native American coach Tom Flurries. All right. Big respects there. Um then I'm gonna go with um, um, well, where is he? He's up on your wall, Carr. That's 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 his brother. Okay, uh, Derek Carr. I go with Derek Carr, and um, third, um, Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> you almost hey, made me say a bad you, word. You um, brought up loss, but yeah, I had to bring up Russell. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no. Oh man, yeah. You, I'll take him over, Jamarcus. Um. Let me think. Who was I'm trying to think? Who was before Carr? Wow. Uh, oh, uh, was it Rich Gannon? I'll take Rich Gannon. Okay. I'll take Rich Gannon. Yep, yep. You're right. I'm trying to think. Who was the quarterback in the nineties for the? Oh yeah, like Mark. I can't think of his name. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Gannon. Would the Gannon go to the Super Bowl with the Raiders? Yes, he did. He did. He took them to the Super Bowl, right? With the, That's um, right. Against the Buccaneers. That's right. Yeah. And that was the one where uh, uh, Gruden won it with Tampa, right? Absolutely. That's right. Yep. Um, all right. So three quality quarterbacks. All right. Question three. I got a decent one. We're going to kind of stay in the sports theme here. Um, all right. You made it to the NFL. You're on, a, you're on the Raiders, whatever position. Would you rather, as a member of the Oakland Raiders, win, say, two Super Bowls, but you're only like, you're like a third stringer, second stringer. Like, you maybe, if you're lucky, you maybe get like five, ten snaps a game. Like, you're, like you're, you're deep on the, but you're a part of the team. Right. Or would you be, rather be a part of that Oakland Raiders team where you guys don't win any, any trophies, any hardware, your career, but... You're like, you know, you're like a Jerry Rice. You're like a Joe Monte. Like, you're the man. You're a Tim Brown. You're like, you're an all star pro bowler, first team. Like, you're the man on that team. I, Which want, the, you I want that ring. Okay. I want that ring. Okay. Because I think about. A, but even I, if you get some, you know, you're going to get some schmuck. Yeah. Oh, you ain't even, you ain't even do nothing. You L- Listen, I think about Charles Barkley, right? Mm hmm. He's, even though he's in the, NBA, what did they always say? I would give anything for a championship. Very true. Right? Very true. Right? You know, so, so you know, you and you mentioned Dan Marino. What would he give? Yeah. That's got to be t- He went to the Super Bowl, like, not what, his first not, year, two years, and then yeah, just, whew, not like, even not that. even a sniff. You ask any of the Buffalo Bills. That is true. Even as a fan, I'm like, I just want one. Yep. That's true. So, 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 you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I want that Super Bowl ring. I want that championship. I think I'm going with you there, too. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing. It'd be nice to get all that fame, all that this, all those stats. Into it, but at the end of the day, I'm a team guy, and I just I don't care if I went out and, and played one snap in a Super Bowl. As long as we win, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Because how, how great do you have to be to not win a championship to still be looked upon as one of the greats. That is true. Right? Like, <clears throat> who was it? Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah, Dan Marino definitely is one, right? And 
Look at even from the Bills, Bruce Smith, yeah. all-time sack leader. Boom. Yeah. I guarantee you he'd give up a lot of those sacks just to have one ring. Yes, indeed. Right? Mm-hmm. And But but that's how great he is. Daryl Talley's not really talked about as one of the best linebackers. Nope. He, and he was damn good. Yeah, even Cornelius Bennett. Yep. You know, Biscuit, he was good. Yeah. Right? Very good. You know, so – and he was he was an every-down player. Yeah. He was out there just right? as much as Smith was. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah. So, so – I would, I would, I would take that uh, championship ring to 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 play to be a backup, a role player, right? I like it, no doubt. I like it. All right, question four. You got one, coach? Um, wow, you 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 stumped me on that. <laughs> um, here's one. Drum drumsticks or flats? I got to go flats. I got to go flats. The drumsticks are good, but I'm going flats all day long. It's not even close. I think they're, they're easier to eat, I think. They're easier to eat. I think they got more meat on them, especially when like like I love I got to have barbecue. Like it, it can be whatever flavor, but it's got to be saucy. Right. It's got they just have more sauce on them. Sometimes you get the drumsticks that are just like all dried up mm-hmm. and I'm I'm a I'm a big flat guy. You ever you ever been to Fat Cats on uh Kensington Avenue? I've never been there, but I've had I've had the wings. I've had takeout wings from there, and they're they're okay, outstanding. So you have. Okay, okay, all right, brother. So um, they have a Cajun dry rub. Ooh, I did not try that. Yeah, man. Those the, the, those are excellent. Now, are they are they saucy or are they more of no, like the, they're just dry rub? Okay, they're good. okay, but they're not they're 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 not they're not like a dry and crispy they're 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 cooked well done okay you know what i'm saying yeah they're still juicy okay they're good, good. they're good. good they're good yeah um i thought the same thing but uh yeah i like them no i love all right so what uh what are you more like a a wing guy or a flat guy the drumstick or the flat doesn't matter to me but you know I, i've learned from my wife my preference I'll take the flats just because sometimes the drumsticks are cooked a little too long. Yeah. And they're hard. They get a little dried up. Yeah. yeah. On my teeth. Yeah. All right. Kind of playing off that question, we'll call this 4A. Um, are you more of like the hot wing guy, like the hot, hot sauce? Do you more like the barbecue? Do you like a little, like the dry rub? Like what's what's more like? Bar- just like you, barbecue and dry rub. Man, I went to, um, what's that restaurant right on Sheridan, that wing spot on Sheridan? Uh, very popular. Oh, uh, Duff's. Man, please. I had they regular wings. They burnt my mouth so bad. I'm all, no, 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 no. I'm not a hot wing dude. Yeah. Oh, I, no. I, I like to taste my wings. Like you said, I don't want to be like eating one or two wings in and like. My lips are burning. Yeah, have to wait like 20 minutes because, you, you know, your <laughs> mouth's trying to cool off. I can't lick my fingers. <laughs> the sauce is on it. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm telling you, I love, I love a nice sloppy barbecue wing. Right, mm. right. Mm. Um. Okay. All right, so we got uh, one more question. Question five. You got one for us, or you want me to wrap it up? What you got? Uh-uh. Your preference of coaching, soccer or track and field, which one is which one is more technical? Hmm. That's, that's a tough one because if you look at everything for soccer – I mean, you're teaching different formations, you're teaching different positions, you're teaching kids 
how to play well with each other. Um, you're teaching them not only what to do with the ball, but without the ball. To get in. So there is definitely a lot of philosophies, a lot of technicals, formation stuff that you got to do. Um, but then at the same time with track and field, even just, I mean, forget all the different, you know, jumps, uh, sprints, this and that, that you got to coach. Just looking at it strictly as the throwers, I mean, you know as well as anybody, there's a lot of different techniques, especially even shot put. Do you teach them the kick and glide? Do you teach them the spin? Do you teach them, you know, you got to start with just the standing. You got to make sure that it's coming off the face right. It's, hmm. That's a tough question. Um, I got gotcha. you. They're, they're both technical. I'll say my, my, my preference is. I'd, I'd coach soccer if I like if I got a job coaching uh, high level soccer or high level track and field. As much as I love doing both, I'd, I'd have to pick soccer. Um, but they're both they're both super technical. I'm gonna flip the script on you. So because I know you did football and track and field. A, what would your preference be if you got uh, an Olympic track and field job or an NFL job? You're presented both. Which are you taking? And which is, in your opinion, more more technical or more more involved? Track and field by far is more. Well, I won't say by far, but yeah, it's more individualized. So therefore, I believe it's more technical. Um, you know, there's there's a lot more into it when you talk about because because once you leave the ground in the jumps, you have to have that body awareness. Right. Yeah. You know, football's all on the ground. Basically, it's all on the ground. Right. Um, I would say, well, this age of my part of my life, I would say track and field, because I think there's there's, um, I think it's so much more rewarding because it's individual based. You know, um, and and I'm used to it. Um, Yeah, yeah, I, I just think it's it's a lot less, you know, relegated on other outside pieces having an impact on how well this athlete performs. It's all on you, right? If we get to that level, Olympic level, I know you've already bought in, right? You sacrificed a whole lot to get to this particular point in your life, so I don't have to teach dedication. Hard work, sacrifice, perseverance. You know what I'm saying? That's already there. It's already there for the NFL player also. But, again, there's that money part. Very true. Right? And, Olympic and part, money, money can, money's nice, but money yeah, can make you soft. That Olympic part, once you get the gold, then there comes, you know, those are results of the Olympics, some money, right? The uh, The endorsements, right? The Wheaties so, boxes. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, so I'm going to go with the Olympics. I mean, uh, the Olympic coach. Yeah. All right. Coach, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, man, we got to have you back. I feel like yeah. like we went this whole episode, and I feel like there's so we much. a whole lot, man. We, man we, could do, we could do like five or six more episodes. No problem. Let's man, go. Man, you've got an open invite anytime. Cool. Um, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you um, for having me. No, anytime. Um, make sure, again, we're going to have this episode up soon, but make sure uh, w- as soon as you get me that info, we'll get it out there for Just Blaze, Today, Track no and problem. Field, for uh, Urban Throwers. Um, 
like I said, if, if there's any track and field athletes, young track and field athletes out there, um, I would definitely recommend getting involved in there. Now, do you do anything with coaches too? Like with coaches? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I because I know you've helped me out a whole bunch in my career. Hey, I I will. Hey, I coach whoever wants to come and learn and help elevate the sport. I'm down with that. Beautiful. I'm down with that because as the coaches are elevated in their knowledge and their training, it only pushes myself, my athletes, athletes to become better athletes. Also knowing that that coach over there, they know the right way to do things and they're going to come out of the right way. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, coach, for coming on. Uh, Make sure you guys, as always, check out our Facebook page, our YouTube page and our Instagram. And like I said, check out for the info for Just Blaze Track and Field. And as always, tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines.